we good? That's better? Okay. Cool. You know, we, uh, I, I think that, that having renewed vision is something that is necessary all the time. And what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to share with you what I've been learning over the last couple of years, uh, maybe even a lifetime uh, of, of being a Christian, maybe even more than that. But there's some realizations that I've come through through scripture. Our text this morning is going to be John chapter 21. If you have your Bibles, uh, please be turning to John chapter 21, and uh, we'll start there. I'm going to pray, and then we'll jump into the scriptures. God, we are grateful for this time to be together. I pray in Jesus' name for those that are sick, for those that feel anxiety, for those that are wrestling, for those, Father, that are in need of you. We all need you. Father, I pray a special blessing on your people. I pray that you'd bless our faithfulness. I pray that you'd put a hedge, a covering over us. And, and wherever that is not, Father, we pray that it's an opportunity to see your power at work. God, we pray that you would guide and direct this time. We pray that your spirit would stir us. We pray, Father, for that spirit of fear, for that spirit of anxiety, for the evil one to be held at bay at this time right now. God, we pray that your word massages our hearts, that your word speaks to us where it needs to. We pray that your Holy Spirit is able to be in touch and be in tune with us. Father, please help us to humble ourselves before you have to humble us more. God, we thank you in advance for this time, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Renewed vision. I'm going to share three things with you this morning about renewed vision. I'm going to share the who and the what. I'm going to share the where and the why. I'm going to share the when and the where and the why and the how. Why renewed vision is important. Now, renewed vision is the theme of the Orlando conference that we're having this year. It's going to be July 31st through August 3rd. And uh, there is a, a thing on, on, online that talks about the conference, and it's interesting because the conference was supposed to happen two years ago. And we've got to this point where we're just going to do the conference. And whoever shows up, shows up. And we'll have an online piece for people that want to be online, but they're going to do the conference. Where and why and when is renewed vision important, especially when there's a loss of hope? Sometimes we don't even know that we've lost hope spiritually. This morning, I want to talk about where that hope comes from. Amen? Now, the who and the what we'll start out with in John chapter 20. John chapter 20 in verse 30. John says, the purpose of this gospel, Jesus performed many other signs. What signs did he, he, he perform? He, he did all kinds of things after he was resurrected. And this is actually um, kind of a segue. It, it talks about Jesus appearing after the resurrection. 
to Mary, to the disciples, yeah? And even to who we call Doubting Thomas. After Doubting Thomas had heard that Jesus was around, he said, I'm not going to believe until I see for myself, until I can look at the holes in his hands and in his feet. And Jesus appeared to him. And we get to this piece, and it says that Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing, you may have life in his name. Now, there's a, a phrase in there that says you, that, that this is written so that you may believe. In, in early manuscripts, there's two translations. One says it, it, they're both off of so you may trust. So that you, these things are written so that you may trust. And one is written to Christians. And it says, so that you may trust, so, so that your faith may be confirmed, that it may be strengthened. But then there's another one that says, so that you may trust in Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing you may have eternal life. So who's it written to? It's written to everyone. My hope and prayer this morning is that if you're a Christian, you're on the path, you're going through it, that your faith is strengthened and confirmed. And if you don't know the Lord, that as you hear this, you're, you're intrigued, you're, you're, you're asking questions, and you start to study out the scriptures. John is a great book to read. And maybe this helps you come to trust in the Lord as you realize what you're really trusting in. Amen? So it's written to Christians and non-Christians alike. It's a message for everyone. Now, we're going to get into the when and where, and we're going to go to John chapter 21. We're going to read in verse 1. Now, after this, after he appeared, it says Jesus' third appearance to the disciples. Sounds like he appeared more, but, but it says after this, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called twin, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, Zebedee's sons, the two others, of his disciples were together. The disciples were together. I'm going fishing. Now, I, I'd like to say that with a, a bit of whatever that is. I don't know if it's frustration or what, but he goes, I'm going fishing. Now, this is after the disciples have seen Jesus. He goes, Simon Peter says, I'm going fishing. Now, the disciples decided to follow him. They said, we're coming with you. They told him. They went out and got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. When daybreak came, Jesus stood on the shore. However, the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Whatever's happened after they've seen Jesus, Peter gets to this place, and he goes, you know what? I'm going fishing. Now, I want to ask you this question. What did those disciples do before they became 
disciples of Jesus. They were fishermen. So it's safe to say that they got to this place after the resurrection. I don't know how much time transpires, but, but maybe there's no hope. And so when there's no hope, what do they do? They go back to their old way of life. Mind you, in chapter 20, Jesus calls the disciples to go out and to share his message of good news. You know, that's what hope does to us sometimes. When we lack hope, when we don't see Jesus, we get off mission. We're not who we authentically are, are to be. We're not who Jesus has transformed us into. Jesus says in verse 5, Men, Jesus called to them. You don't have any fish, do you? No. They answered no. Cast the net on the right side of the boat, he told them, and you will find some. So they did, and they were unable to haul it in because of the large number of fish. So Jesus, he comes and he sees them getting back into their mix, and they don't recognize him. And his words reveal where they're at in life. Yeah? He doesn't scold them. He gives them direction. Therefore, the disciple, the one who loved Jesus, who Jesus loved, said to Peter, it is the Lord, the realization. I, I want to stop there, and I, I, ju I just want to spend a little bit of time on the idea of, of the when and where renewed vision. You know, I've been a disciple for over 20 years and change, and I can honestly say that I've never publicly said that I've wrestled with God. I don't know, have, have you ever admitted that you've wrestled with God? I, I didn't think it was right. I mean, in my own mind, and I'm sitting at my desk, and I'm reading scripture, and I'm saying to myself, God, why won't you do this? God, why isn't this different? God, why do I have to feel this way? God, why do I have to experience the things that I experience? And like Peter, I can honestly start to think in an unfaithful way. I can revert back to old habits of, of trying to take care of myself of trying to control things in such a way because I'm tired of feeling vulnerable. I don't know what's going to happen. And so I've got to protect myself. This is what the disciples are dealing with here. And it's interesting because I believe that in order for us to, to really grasp hold of the vision that God has for us, for us to be able to even speak that vision, 
There is a part of us being honest. You know, very often we call ourselves wrestling with society, wrestling with other people. But we're not that quick to say that we're wrestling with God. And what we see with the disciples here is, is that when Jesus says, hey, you're out there trying to do your own thing. How's that working for you? It's not. That's honesty. When our vision is blurred, when we're stuck, there's this piece where we have to be confronted with God's You know, I'd like to give you this phrase. We, we have to have our place of pineal. You know what pineal is? You remember where Jacob wrestled? Yeah, where he came face to face with God? You know, oftentimes we're looking other places and we're not willing to be face to face with God. We're not willing to wrestle and align what we're doing, what we're thinking, how we're moving, aligning it with God's word. Yeah? Honesty is needed when our vision is blurred. When there's no hope, renewed vision comes from honesty and following God's word. Realign disciples cast their net in they get so many fish that they can't pull them in i don't know what that fish i don't know what that looks like i don't know friends what what that will look like when you decide to be honest with where you're at i don't know what the fruit will look like i don't know if it will come right away but there's something too when we come face to face with god that we see things that we don't recognize, even though they were there from the very beginning. When Simon Peter heard that, that it was the Lord, he, he, tied out, he tied his outer garment around him, for he was stripped and he plunged into the sea. But since they were not far from land, about a about hundred yards away, the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire. In this specific account, notice that it says charcoal fire. There, with fish lying on it and bread. In John 18, 18, Peter has an encounter with a charcoal fire. We all know what that, that encounter was, wasn't it? Do, don't we? What was it? That's where Peter denied Jesus. That's where what Jesus said about Peter came true. 
Now imagine the hopelessness that Peter must have felt and that he comes into contact, he comes face to face with God and he's faced with this situation once again. Bring some of the fish you caught, Jesus told them. So Simon Peter got up and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them, even though there were so many, the net was not torn. Talk about the grace of God. Come and have breakfast. I'm reminded of that song. Jesus told them, None of the disciples dare ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. He gave them the same with fish. He did the same with the fish. Now, this was the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from Friends, there's something incredible in this writing that we ought to take note of. And it has to do with the character of God. It has to do with the grace of God. It has to do with renewed vision when we come face to face with God, with his word, with Jesus' life. And everything that that means. What we're seeing here is the beginning of restoration for Peter. What we're seeing is the restoring of the disciples that had lost hope. They poured themselves into Jesus. He died. He was buried. And he was resurrected, and they were still challenged. You know, I don't get mad at that anymore. I don't think that I'm any better than that because I believe that myself and everyone in this room included has the same wrestle at some point in time. But friends, what we see here is the grace of God. We see the character of God. When Jesus says in John 17, I came to make you known, I've done that. The character of God is to restore. Yeah? The character of God, the power of God is to bring healing. Now we get to this, this, this why restoration is important. In verse 15, scripture says, When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Feed my lambs, Jesus told him. A second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told him. He asked him a third time. 
And there's something significant about asking three times. But Jesus asked Simon Peter three times, Simon, son of John, do you, do you love me? And Peter was grieved that he asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. What's significant about the coals, the fire, the denial, and now Jesus asking Peter three times if he loves him? How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. Now, scholars are split on this, but there's, there's, there's actually a difference in the love in the manuscripts that, that Jesus and Peter are exchanging. When Jesus says, do you love me? He's talking about a love that is called agapo. Agapo is a selfless love. Agapo is a self-giving love. Agapo is a sacrificial love like God has sacrificed for his creation. And Peter's response is phileo. A brotherly love, a friend love. And scholars wrestle with what this means. Some say it's just a variety to, to show the difference, and others saying that it's a lot deeper than that. Now, I want you to, to imagine this wrestling with God in the midst of all of this grace that He says, Do you love me? Are you selfless? Are you self giving? Are you sacrificial? And Peter's saying, I love you as a friend. I love you as a brother. Now, I want you to imagine this. I want you to, to, to wrestle with this. Sometimes we think we're loving God, yeah? But maybe we're not loving him like he desires that we love him. So we talk about renewed vision. It has everything to do with how we love God. There's an obeying, yeah? But oftentimes it's easy for us to obey some things, but not those that are more difficult. Yeah? I'll be in the room. I'll be a bro. But maybe we lack. And especially in a time of two years of hopelessness and challenges, our, our faith has been not only refined but revealed. And I believe that it continues to be. And we have to ask ourselves this question. How do I love Jesus? That's important. If I love Wendy the same as I love pizza, we might have a problem. Yeah? If I love God like I love the Kansas City Chiefs, we may have a problem. Because when it starts going bad, we jump off the bandwagon. We're a little less enthused. Yeah? 
We're not turning off the TV because we're super spiritual. We're turning off the TV because there's no hope. Now, I'm talking about our spiritual lives. If we love God the way that Jesus loved the disciples, the way that Jesus loved humankind, there is a level of selflessness that I believe is necessary for 2022. And this selflessness, this self-giving, takes us into this place where, like the disciples were charged in, 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 in chapter 20, we, we start to, to spread the message. And not some of the message, but all of the message. Peter was grieved the third time when he answered. He said, you know I love you. Then feed my sheep, Jesus said. I assure you. And here's the, the, the capper. I assure you, when you were young, you would tie your belt and walk around wherever you wanted. I know some of you can relate. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't Friends, are you going wherever you want to go in your spiritual life? Or are you going where you don't want to go against your will? What did Jesus say? He said, Father, if you can take this cup from me, yeah, but not my will, yours be done. see, as Jesus is restoring Peter, he's also defining what that love is going to look like. And I believe that when we have a renewed vision, we're not brothers in the room hanging out and we're cool up to a certain extent. We're selfless. We're self-giving. Unless a single seed falls to the ground and dies. That's when it bears fruit. You know, the challenges that we're faced with, they will not go away. What they do is give us opportunity. They give us opportunity to be different. You know, one of the things that I vowed in that, that time that, that we were, were online and all of that different stuff, was if we ever have that happen again, I don't know who will be here, but I will be here. Plus, sitting down in a chair, being comfortable wasn't working for me preaching. I need to stand <laughs> up. But my point is, is that, that when we face hopeless times, when we face challenges, they are opportunities in the Lord for our vision to be renewed. I ask you this morning, where is the Holy Spirit prompting you? Sometimes in our conversations we may be answering with, with different answers. 
that Jesus' word calls out to us. But God's grace, God's power, God's love, Peter's honesty, and being face-to-face with God brought him to a point where he, after this, stayed in Jerusalem, received the Holy Spirit, and boldly preached his first sermon. He went on to perform signs and miracles in the name of Jesus for the glory of God, never looking back. Forsaking his old way of life, embracing all that Jesus commissioned, leading others to a selflessness, God-determined activity, allowing the life and the words of Jesus to determine what he must do. Renewed vision, friends. Wherever you're at, Christian, non-Christian, my hope and prayer is that as you hear this, your faith is strengthened and confirmed. Yeah? If you're going down that road and it's scary, yeah? If it's not going the way that you think it should go, yeah, you're waiting on Jesus. Don't go back to fishing, amen? Allow this to strengthen and confirm your faith. If you're a non-believer, allow this to be a time that you start to think about, where am I putting my hope? I feel like a, a hamster on a wheel. I'm frustrated. There's no one I can trust. Every time I think I've got a hold on something, it's like the wool is pulled over my eyes. It's like the rug is pulled from under my feet. I don't know where to find hope. This was written so that you may trust in Jesus as the Savior, the Messiah. This was written. And God is presenting it to you this morning so that you have opportunity to make a choice to decide to have eternal life, the life of the age to come. Friends, it's okay for it to be fearful. But I want to encourage you to be face-to-face in these difficult times with God. Amen? Amen. Be face-to-face. And when you face him, there's something to honesty. Amen? Be honest with yourself. It's okay to say, I'm wrestling with God. Jacob wrestled with God. Job wrestled with God. Jonah wrestled with God. Amen? It's normal. I believe that as we admit our wrestling with God, as we're honest, the clarity in our life and speech becomes more clear for God's glory. Amen? Allow Jesus' life and his words and his call to a renewed spiritual vision. One that sidesteps selfishness. One that sidesteps ration giving 
one that sidesteps fully living out what God has demonstrated and continues to demonstrate in spite of us his love and sacrifice for us. Yeah? Allow Jesus' life and words to make us selfless, to make us self-giving, to make us sacrificial on another level. Amen? Now, as we transition into communion, I'd like to read a scripture to you. John 21, 18 and 19. I assure you, when you were young, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. He said this to signify by what kind of death Peter would glorify God. After saying this, Jesus told Peter, after he said that, to follow him. May Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection continually renew your vision to the ultimate of God's glory and following him fully. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your sacrifice in spite of us. God, we, we ask your forgiveness, and we're grateful, Father, for the cross. We're grateful for, for Jesus' blood. We're grateful for a sacrifice for all times. We're grateful for your grace, your mercy, and your love. We're grateful for the opportunity to live out your scriptures once again. We're grateful for the opportunity to wait on you. Father, all this is only possible because of your son, because of your love, because of your forethought. God, we pray as communion is taken together. That we can embrace your love in such a way that it moves us to wherever in our lives we ought have renewed vision for your glory and for ultimate fellowship of you. Thank you. In Jesus' name.